Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast with Joshua Latimer, where we discuss business, life, family, faith, struggle, fire, pain, and ultimately winning. It's time to take massive action. Look, I, I can't work harder on your life or business than you do. It's ultimately all on you. You know, God created all the food the birds would ever need, but he doesn't put it in their nest. You've got to go get it. 10 out of 10 people die. So how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can? Hey, my friends. Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast. Hope you're doing awesome. Today is going to be a fun episode for me. Now, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to teach you some cool stuff that I learned in Boise, Idaho at a very exclusive event. And I'm going to skim through 13 pages of notes. And if it takes too long, I'll kind of stop and then pick it up on another episode. Uh, But it's going to be very kind of casual. And the topic I'm talking about does not directly apply to home service businesses uh, at all. So what I need you to do is listen to this episode. I want you to read between the lines. I want you to extract massive gold nuggets for your life, for the way that you communicate, to apply to any future businesses. A lot of you guys, your business right now is just your training wheels business. You know, I viewed my service company as a training wheels business. So maybe you're gonna do bigger and better things, or maybe after I go through this, you'll say, eh, you know, that just really didn't help me at all, and don't do that. So if you like this content that we're about to get into, it's imperative that you send me a message that you go on Facebook, that you send me an email, josh at sendjim.com or something to say, yes, do do more of that. Because I just want, I'm here to serve you, bottom line. Now, this is interesting to me. It's ridiculously powerful. Let me give you some backstory. The guy that was teaching this course, uh, his name is Peng Jun, P-E-N-G-J-O-O-N. You can Google him and stuff. He's been making money online for a very long time. He looks like he's about 15, but he's closer to around 30, I think. And he makes over $10 million a year speaking from the stage. He makes a lot of money, and he's very good at what he does. And it's funny because he's actually an introvert. And as a sidebar, one thing I learned from being in the inner circle is how many of the people that do very well are actually introverts, including me. That's why maybe if you've met me in real life, you're like maybe underwhelmed or something because it's it's more weird for me to be in a small group than it is for me to make a video or to do a speech or something or to make a podcast. Um, the passion's all real, but you know sometimes we're introverts and sometimes people that are introverts tell themselves a lie that they can't do big things in business and it's not true at all. In fact, Russell Brunson is an introvert and one little test you can do to figure out if you're an introvert or extrovert and either one's fine is you got to ask yourself, what do you do to get recharged. Like what is your idea? If you're totally stressed and you're drained and exhausted, how do you get your battery charged back up? Now for me, the way that I get my battery charged back up is by getting alone. I need to be alone. Like I could go to Alaska in the middle of the forest for like a week and just like read books and sit there and quiet. That would be like like amazing for me. Like ah, right now my wife on the other hand is an extrovert. So she doesn't gain energy by being in solitude like me. She gains energy by being around people. So we'll have people over our house. We'll have like a party. We'll do something. And she has more energy afterwards than she did before. It's pretty crazy. So anyway, so Peng Jun made no money uh, when he was young. His parents worked really hard, had two jobs, 
whole really interesting upbringing and stuff. His parents loved him. He did very well in school because in Asian culture, I think all Asian cultures, academics is the number one most important thing. Now, even in America or Western countries, that's still kind of like a common thing. Get good grades in school, go get a good job, and you can make money. Like, that's the path. Get good grades, work hard, get a good job, invest in a 401k, like... But the, the problem is, is like, that is such an old way of thinking. Like, that is, that is gone. That is dead. That is over. The economy's changing. The markets are changing. The, the workplace is changing. Recruiting and staffing is changing. Everything. Everything is changing. Uh, but these big institutions are really, really, really big, and they, they move really slowly. So anyway, so paying, I won't give his entire backstory. I just want you to know that he's an introvert. He started with literally nothing, and he had a lot of pain and suffering to get where he got, okay? And one of the big takeaways I got also from, from this meeting is that the highest achievers have a serious amount of struggle and pain and grit in their past, before they ever got to the really high echelon. The other thing is, is that they're not good at stuff. They're not great at stuff. They're better than great at stuff. And a lot of times we think that we're crushing it. We think that our systems are dialed in. We're really proud of ourselves for doing this, that, or the other. But there's this little bit of extra margin that can be squeezed out in all aspects of your business. Where If you choose to go deep enough and go beast mode and get absolutely radically obsessed, and it's those types of people that are willing to do that that shoot and catapult to the top. It's those people that become a nightmare to compete with that achieve more than other people can't even imagine, right? Uh, But it's the devil's in the details, right? So this event was called um, the Event Codex. And he was, he's going to sell this for like a $2,000 course. And the content is absolutely amazing. And he does a way better job explaining it than me because this is his world. But some of this stuff I think will apply to you. And again, if you get value out of this, send me an email and tell me or I'm not going to make another one like on this topic, okay? I got to get some feedback because I don't want to teach you stuff you don't care about. So he starts off by talking about... Um, when you, when you start an event, okay, so what he does, his team organizes events all over Europe, all over Asia, some in the United States, mostly over there, and these are like cold traffic events. Like they run Facebook ads, and he's a genius at all that stuff. Hundreds of people show up. He gets up and does a two-day event, and he makes hundreds of thousands of dollars every single event, and he talks about the structure of how he does that, right? And uh, let me get into it. So th- when you open the event, is is one of the most critical times, okay? And you could even apply this, like to read between the lines, when you open a conversation, when you meet a new prospect for the first time, right? When you open, this is when you are the most nervous and when your audience or the person you're talking to is the most critical of you. So what you want to happen as fast as possible is you wanna ask universal questions because the person asking questions are in control. So you wanna start out with like a series of questions that are universal where the audience is gonna say yes, right? For example, uh, you might be like, how have you, or how many of you um, are from this town? But you already know that they're all from that town. Everybody's like raises their hand or whatever, right? So if you're meeting people, you want them to say yes multiple times in a row as fast as possible. The other thing you want to do is you want to immediately immediately acknowledge the audience and validate their choice and let them know that their time is valuable and that you're going to do everything in your power to over deliver to them. And even in sales, you should literally say that. So when you meet a prospect validate that their time is valuable and you know they're meeting with you and you're going to pitch them on a project or whatever you're selling, whatever your service is, uh, and let them know straight up front, look them right in the eye, that you're going to do everything in your power 
to over deliver, right? And uh, then you're going to kind of explain what the person's going to get. People love it when you explain the process up front. Uh, and so with a live event or you're selling, what's in it for them, right? So if you're about to do like a proposal, take 20 seconds and explain what the process is, right? So you ask a couple questions, uh, maybe about the weather, about whatever, about the, the her job, make a joke. She's saying, yeah, she's agreeing, they're laughing, and then acknowledge them. You know, listen, I know your time is super valuable. I just want you to know, Mary, up front, I'm gonna do everything in my power to over-deliver for you. And then step three is what's in it for them. And so then you roll into a, uh, let me kind of break down exactly what you should expect here. It's actually pretty simple. Step one, we're going to do this. Step two, I'm going to do this. Step three, I'm going to give you a beautiful PDF that's customized for your blah, 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 right? The other thing I thought was really interesting is that people don't want to learn. They want to get or they want to discover. This was a huge thing for me because we sell online courses. I do a lot of webinars and people don't want to learn because learning feels like work. Learning feels like a thing. And they're like, eh, I don't want to do a thing, right? What they want is they want to get something or discover something. It's like Christmas, right? And it's funny is you can have the same content. Your sales process can be exactly the same, um, but the changing your language is profoundly powerful. And this is one of those details. So don't say that you're going to give them a quote or an estimate, or don't tell them you know, you're going to teach them why their building needs this thing. Use words like get or discover, okay? And when you're telling stories, this might not apply as much to, to service businesses, but for me, when you're, when you're storytelling, like it's really important to balance the success stories that you have with the struggles because um, people can feel like, even with me when I do webinars or I'll meet people, they feel like, oh, I've accomplished too much, that's impossible, or yeah, that's good for Josh, or in his market it was different, or he, he was lucky or something. Um, so it's really good to pepper in the struggles, which I feel I do a good job of because I've had lots of them, <laughs> lots of pain. But when you're talking about your success, when because look, it's very important for you when you're selling to establish yourself as an authority. Even if your business is small, you do need to establish yourself as a professional expert and an authority so that people trust you. It's very, it's a, it's a thing, okay? But when you're talking about success stories, you want to make your success stories about the person you're talking to. Let that sink in. When you're talking about your success stories or you're, you're establishing yourself as an authority, and not that you're bragging or name dropping or whatever, but let's say that you have some big commercial account with a hospital and you're talking to a smaller medical facility. How do you work that into the conversation? And how do you talk about some of your struggles as you're building your business to make yourself human to that person, but also establish yourself as an expert in your field and make the story about them? Well, I'm not going to go down every rabbit trail, but there's some nuggets for you to think about. The other thing is, is that the entire time that you're with this person or the entire time people are at your event, you're continuously selling and reselling them on the idea that they made a great decision by even coming to the event. Or in your case, you're during the 20-minute presentation where you're walking around a facility, you got, you're constantly selling and reselling them on the idea that they made a great decision by spending some time with you to come out, right? Think about how to do that. Uh, let me skip a couple pages here because um, this is about Facebook ad stuff that doesn't really apply. Let me go over here. Uh, 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 uh. All right, this is pretty cool. He talks about Hell Island and Heaven Island. And <laughs> this, this was awesome for, for me. Um, but what happens is, is like, People, like, our job isn't to give people information, and your job isn't really to get uh, their house clean, okay? What we're really doing 
is they're trying to get people off of Hell Island and onto Heaven Island. And to get people to give you money or to get people to take action, there's a whole bunch of weird mental stuff that goes on, right? And so imagine there's these two islands. There's this place of pain. They have really dirty carpet. And yes, it bothers them, but maybe they don't realize how bad it is or how polluted it is or how dangerous it is for their kids or pets, right? So on the one hand, you're you're really you're, you're pushing on those pain points conversationally in a respectful way. But you also have to sell the idea of what it's going to be like if they can move over to Heaven Island. And the issue is there's there's water, there's ocean, open water in between these two islands. And that water represents all the objections that people are going to have to giving you money. Like it's too expensive or I can do it next year or I need to get 12 quotes instead of just hiring you right now, right? And what, what happens is, is that when we're selling, we oversell Heaven Island, and we undersell the pain point. So we actually don't pinpoint the pain. And actually what we don't want to do is we don't want to, uh, God, how did he explain this? Okay, this is complex, but it's super amazing. You want to have balance between the pain of the person's situation of where they are now and giving them casting vision of what their new future will look like after they do business with you. But you don't want to just talk about the pain. For example, for me, from my perspective, the pain that you guys have is that you don't have enough money or that your employees are like like terrible, right? Or something like that. Or there's just, it's instable. You you have money, they have no money. It's just a mess, right? There's stress. So that's you on Hell Island in your pain. Now, when I talk to you or I sell to you, I don't just want to say, look, do you want to get more money? Hey, do you want to uh, get better employees? That's not strong enough. You don't point to exactly to the pain. Instead, you point to the symptoms of the pain. Write this down in your brain. Okay, this is a big deal. Are you ready? You pinpoint the the symptoms of the pain. So I don't talk about the fact that you don't have money. I talk instead about the fact that are you tired of, you know, uh, feeling sick to your stomach when you check your, your bank account balance before you go to bed? Or are you tired of not being able to buy what you really want and have to get a lesser version of it? because you know that it would just put too much strain on the finances, right? Or are you tired of having to keep fixing your old junky equipment in your business because you really just can't afford the new equipment, right? Are you tired of taking such a small salary even though your business is producing all this revenue but there never seems to be enough to get raise your salary? Those are all symptoms of the fact that your business doesn't have a high enough margin, there's not enough deal flow, like, right? Isn't that powerful? And so you don't just say, and, and gloss over like, hey, make more money because you have to talk to the symptom, the symptom, how people feel because of the pain point, what they think about because of the pain point. And then you point a finger at that thing. And that is you overcoming their objections, essentially. All right, let's keep the train rolling here. We're about 14 minutes in. Um, gosh, there's so much. I'm only on page three. <laughs> um, all right, here's another important thing that I actually use all the time on webinars and stuff. Um, is you want people to make what are called micro commitments, okay? A micro commitment is like, how do you get someone to say yes to a bunch of little things before you ask them to say yes to the big thing, right? How do you get someone, and that's one of the reasons at live events, you want people all the time saying yes to stuff. Tony Robbins has been around for decades, right? And what he does is he's this motivational guy and he funnels people into his lower level events and then they upsell them into the more expensive event and then to the more expensive event and then to the even more expensive thing. That's kind of his business model he's had for decades. But if you, I saw him live for the first time at Funnel Hack 
Hacking Live, and the guy is a complete master at controlling the room, controlling energy, everything. It's re- it's insane. But really, what he's doing is simple, con- conceptually at least. And he's getting you to say yes. You know, he, he's telling you to say yes. He's like, if you're excited to be here, say yes. And the whole crowd's like, yes. You know, if, you, if you're if you an entrepreneur, say yes. And they say, yeah. it's like, duh, of course we're entrepreneurs because we're at an entrepreneurial event, right? And he's saying things that are actually really generic, but he's saying it in a way that gets me to say yes a whole bunch of times. And these micro commitments are a big deal. And uh, the other thing is, is uh, when you get like, if someone does take a step to commit with you, for example, you get a new customer, and this was funny because Ping is basically validating what Send Jim does, but he talks about how when people sign up for an event, he immediately sends them a physical welcome gift that blows their mind, okay? Because people are going to have regret, they're going to have concerns and fears and buyer's remorse oftentimes as soon as they give you money. And you don't know it because you're just like, yay, someone gave me money. What if as soon as they make that decision, like, you know what? Yes, let's do the luxury package, Josh. Let's let's do the whole thing. But you, there's this underlying, oh, my husband's going to kill me. There's this underlying, oh, I don't know if I should spend $1,000 on this right now, right? What if you immediately blow their mind and wow them with a physical gift that validates that they made the right choice, right? That's that's like helps them with their micro commitment, right? And then what he does with his live event is when people sign up, he sends them a whole sequence of pre-training before the live event starts to increase the amount of people that actually show up to the live event. So for you, I'm not sure exactly how that would apply, but it's a big deal because as soon as they give them money, he's mailing them a physical thing that's gonna blow their mind, but he also sends them to a page that says, we're actually gonna start your training right now. So he's over-delivering as they stepped out in faith to trust him, right? Does that make sense? And uh, let me skip through maybe a couple more things and then I'm gonna wait for your guys' feedback to see if this is interesting to you. Um, it's interesting to me, but I don't wanna project that on you. So if you don't send me emails and you just hope that I do this again, then and I don't, then that's your fault. You gotta email me. You gotta tell me what's going on. I gotta talk to you. Okay, um, okay, this isn't as relevant, that piece. Let me get you another nugget. Oh man, that's too big of a nugget. All right, I'll, I'll do this one. It's messaging. And this is 1,000% applicable to you. It has to do with the way, the how, you explain what you do, okay? How do you explain your company's story? How do you explain the services that you provide? You see, um, most of your guys' industries are pretty commoditized, you know? It's like there's kind of a benchmark for pricing. There's other competitors. It's a race to the bottom a lot of times. How do you... Uh, manipulate your messaging and your positioning of your company. And that's that's a combination of like the copy on your websites, the way that your business cards are, the way that you actually elevate or pitch your services, the way that your sales process works when you're on-site actually giving pricing and trying to close a deal, the way that you answer your phone, all that stuff is positioning. Like you want to position yourself like different. And then the more different you are, the less it is about price. And the reason is because they don't have anything to compare you to now. Okay, does that make sense? So what you want to do is like, I'm going I'm to kind of go through half of this and leave half of it out. But here's the deal. Uh, you need, there's four quadrants of things that you want to talk about when you're talking about your company's story, or you can even work this into your actual sales presentation, uh, even for just regular residential jobs. Because you can take these concepts and simplify them and nutshell them down into really simple things. 
uh, we had a really specific elevator pitch that we gave on site to every residential estimate. I've read it here on the podcast many times in the past. You know, Miss, Mrs. Jones, let me take a step back. I'm sorry. It, can, is it okay if I just explain kind of who we are as a company just for like 30 seconds and give you my spiel? Because we provide a very high level service and we're not a normal company. And I, we actually had a real script for that. I'm going off of memory because I sold my company over three years ago. But here's the four things you want to hit on. Number one, you want to talk about your success. And this is your opportunity to humble brag or be what's, what Russell Brunson calls the reluctant hero. So it's okay and it's necessary for you to establish yourself as a as a authority by bragging about your accomplishments. And that can be anything, even if your business is small, right? If you have 500 customers, that's like your customer doesn't have like a anything to compare it to. The fact that you're even mentioning it makes you stand out like wow 500 of my local like residents in this town have hired you that that's a success right so you find a way to work that in uh, to your pitch the other thing you have to talk to about is your struggles now you don't talk to your your prospects in a way that makes them feel sorry for you you can make it funny and you can make it tie into your success. You can say, Mrs. Jones, you know, when we started this company, I got to be honest, I didn't know the first thing. I've never had any small business owners in my family. It's funny. Uh, the, the first few jobs I did, I barely even knew what I was doing. And, and, and two out of the three first customers were actually mad at me. Now, thank God that was that was eight years ago. And, you know, now we service a local hospital and, and the top two property management companies here rely on us. And we have 20 drug-free background checked employees. And we provide service for over a thousand clients. You know, I figured some things out. But man, it has been a journey and I'm passionate about what we do here for you. And I just want you to know that. Okay. I'm, I'm literally just spitballing. Okay. I just made that up. You can make something up better that fits you. The, the third quadrant is your strengths. And the strengths, when you talk about those, is an opportunity for you to decommoditize how you do your service compared to the how other people do their service. So if it's like lawn mowing, there's like this expectation in people's heads, like, okay, it's X amount of dollars, you cut my grass, but there's never any talk about the process or the differentiation, right? So they just think you're giving them a price and then you're gonna cut their grass. Well, no, 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 no. The way you answer the phone was insanely, ridiculously, intriguingly better. You show up on time every time in a marked vehicle with a collared uniform shirt, with an ID badge, with an iPad and a smile on your face, with a breath mint in your mouth. And when they answer the phone, you start going through this highly rehearsed, orchestrated performance of you laying out and decommoditizing your business. You're not doing it in a cheesy way. You're not rambling on for hours. You're strategic. It's short and concise. You talk, you're humble bragging. You're talking about your struggles in the company history. If you see they have kids, you're talking about how you have kids. If you see they have a dog, you're talking about how you have a dog. You're getting them to belly laugh with you, which is what Tim Kroll always teaches. The moment you get a prospect to belly laugh with you, it's over. It's over. You have their business, right? And then you're going to roll into your strengths, which is the how. Mrs. Smith, most companies do not operate like we do. And I'm I'm excited. Can I share with for like 20 seconds on why we are unlike any other lawn care company? Oh, okay, great. Here's what we do. We actually have a five-step process that I developed over the years, blah, blah, blah. It's really simple. Step one, we do this. Step two, we do this. Step three, we do this. And the last two steps, not one other company in our entire market does this. And it's, it's really important. Here's step four and here's step five. And then you want the fourth quadrant, uh, you want to talk about your past and present beliefs. And what you want to do is you don't have to get political and stuff with your clients, but you want to talk about what you believe. And you want to frame it in a way that is easy for them to agree with you. Like you, you, you make clear what your beliefs are and you're like stern in the way that you do it. But you're, you're claiming a belief that they almost certainly are going to be completely on board with, but it bonds you with them. 
Okay, is your head ready to explode yet? <laughs> I'm on page five and I've skipped 80% of what's actually written even on the first five pages. There's 13 pages. Listen, give me feedback. Is this valuable? Do you wanna become a ninja? Do you wanna be better than everybody else? Not as in your value as a human because that's not possible because God loves us all. But do you wanna be better in the marketplace? Listen, you don't get brownie points for being a nice person, okay? You don't get brownie points for being a bad person either. But because you have a good heart, because you care about your customers in your heart, that doesn't put revenue in your, in your pocket, okay? And I've said this before, Myron Golden says, it is your moral obligation to sell your stuff to as many people as possible. Because when you don't sell harder, when you don't push the envelope for higher prices, for more customers, for more margin, when you don't do that, you're not preventing people from buying. They're still gonna buy. They're just not gonna buy from you. They're gonna buy from someone who cares a lot less about them than you do. And that's on you and that's your fault. And this is a big breakthrough for me because I always felt bad like pushing my audience, oh, come to Automate Grow Sell Live, oh, buy the boot camp, you know, you should have Send Gym. Look, these things are life-changing things for real. They better your life, right? Like it, it, it's, it's insane, like, and I've always been passionate about it, but I would hold back. I'm done with that crap and you should be done with it too because sales is serving. If you have integrity and you have massive value to offer, you have to sell your stuff at high prices to get the right people so that you can have a profitable business, so you can pay your employees a living wage, so that you can offer them a compensation package instead of just a, a, a pointless job. You can give real careers, you can grow the company, you can live the life you want, you can change your family tree. That is on you and it all starts with sales. So I hope, I hope that you're feeling me right now. And if you're not, tell me, because I'm not gonna be mad. I'll just go back and I'll talk about like, how to do like phone scripts or something. But <laughs> anyway, listen, I gotta go. I have exciting news. I'm picking up my friend Brandon Vaughn from the airport in just a few hours. He's gonna be with me all weekend. I'm gonna totally strong arm him into doing some podcasts and some Facebook videos. We have some really cool stuff we're gonna, we're gonna work on this weekend. So I love you. Take care. God bless. Have a great weekend. Hey, thanks for hanging out, friends. And from all of us here at the Quick Talk Podcast team, we hope you love today's show. We hope that you were inspired to become a doer and not just a listener. Apply what you've heard today in your own business and watch things change for the better. Lastly, remember that all the money in the world can't save your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God, my friends. We'll see you next time. For more information about the Quick Talk Podcast or Joshua's other businesses, visit our website, quicktalkpodcast.com. Have a blessed day.